Largest podcast in North America, one of the largest in the whole world, the Joe Rogan Experience. Joe, how do you feel about the far left? I'm just curious on your thoughts there. They will keep pushing left to the end of time until we're in a communist hole. <laughs> they're not going to stop. The whole idea is that this is the, they're about kindness and consideration. That's horse. They're about control. And they're, they're using kindness and consideration and inclusiveness, all these things, as talking points to allow them to exercise control. This is an ideology. It's a cult. It really is. Yeah. It's a weird one. Warm it all up. Everything you've got. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 70. I'm your host, Danny Belts, Den of Thieves. Some corollaries there. We'll talk about the college football top 10 right now. A lot of bitching, a lot of moaning. I'll set the record straight. Recap last week, not the best week. We picked up a late one on Instagram. Some people caught it, some people didn't. Got to talk about John Gruden, but in a different angle. Uh, not exactly as everyone else is doing. We'll get into why. That's how this podcast started. We got tired of hearing about Deflategate every other day. What if Trump mandated the vaccine? I have a hot take there. Sage Steele on Jay Cutler's podcast. We kind of have to mention that. I'll be quick. The $4.5 million trillion infrastructure. Million trillion, excuse me. $4.5 trillion. I have some interesting things to bring to light there. San Francisco's mass exodus. Their district attorney and their mayor and how just ridiculous it has gotten. Den of Thieves, one of my favorite movies. We'll be talking about that in comparison to what happened to John Gruden. <clears throat> but again, when we started this podcast, The Sports Antidote, it was because it was Deflategate, Deflategate. It was just like, does anybody have anything else to talk about? So we really don't want to bring up all of you know the toe to party line as far as you know this being a leaning Right podcast and talking about everything anyone's doing, everyone's doing on sports media right now, currently. So we'll touch on it, but just in a different light, if you will. So let's just start off real quick. Uh, Before we recap last week, I want to talk about the college football top 10. And there's been a lot of arguing and this, that, and the other about they shouldn't be here and they should be here. So I don't think anyone's going to argue with Georgia being number one. Uh, But I do have, I have heard some complaints about Iowa being number two. And the argument is, they're not the second best team in the country. Well, we're not sure Georgia's the best team in the country, yet they're number one. Uh, I mean, they haven't really beat anyone of consequence, minus Clemson, and that was a while ago. How good is Clemson? I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say Georgia's number one, but we really don't know that because of preseason rankings. There should not be preseason rankings, but because there are it, there was, where Iowa started off, everyone has lost, and they have not. Not everyone, but people ahead of them have lost, and they stay undefeated. So they're number two, and I I like that. Cincinnati, number three, no problem with that. Oklahoma, number four, no problem with that. They haven't lost. And it's where they started by the law of the land in the preseason rankings. Of course, Oklahoma is not the fourth best team in the country, but because of preseason rankings and the letter of the law, law of the land, whatever you want, they are number four, so deal with it. Now, Bama, number five, that's ridiculous. They should not be ahead of Penn State, who's number seven. Penn State should be number five, being as where they lost their quarterback on the road at Iowa. Had they not lost their quarterback, they win that football game, convincingly, by the way, and they lost on the last play of the game on the road to a pretty good team um, in Iowa. Texas A&M unranked once again when Bama lost to them on the last play of the game. 
getting a lot of love they don't deserve. Uh, they should not be fifth. They should be behind Ohio State, Penn State, potentially even Michigan, who's undefeated, and even Michigan State, or even Oregon, whose losses to Stanford, but Bama once again gets the pedigree. The only real problem anyone should have with any of this is Alabama, even though they lost just last week, is still knocking on the door to be in the top four if one of these teams were to slip up, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that is the SEC bias towards Alabama and the just the, the, the you name it, and you're, you're looking at it right there. There is no way they should be number five, yet I'm not surprised, nor should you be at all. LSU continues to cuck. They got rolled on by Tennessee. I mean, this is LSU has so many four- and five-star players. The only four- and five-star players that go to Kentucky play basketball. They don't play football. Uh, and there's no way Kentucky should be doing that to LSU. No way. Auburn should be doing that to LSU. It is over for Coach O. We still have him on the show. I think he's taking a little break. They got Florida this week at home. Double-digit dog at home. My God. It just, the show has reached a new low in Baton Rouge, and I think this is the end for our beloved Coach O. So what if Trump mandated the vaccine? So I was talking to this to one of my customers who's kind of a feminist, and I just... Let me tell you what would happen right now if Donald Trump was president mandating the vaccine. (laughs) Nobody would get it, especially nobody on the left, right? I think the right would still kind of have a problem with it. I would have a problem with Trump mandating the vaccine. I'd have a problem with anybody mandating the vaccine. And Joe Biden just got up there and said he wants everybody vaccinated by, I believe, the end of October. That's just great, Joe. Not happening. Um, It's just causing more divide. But it just shows how funny this is because if Trump had made an edict or made that decision where everyone's going to have to get vaccinated, all the feminist groups, my body, my choice would be in full force. But because the candidate of your choice is doing it, just give the money, shut up and just go with the program, right? Yeah, it's interesting. And any, any far left feminist that says, I, Donald Trump mandated the vaccine. I disagree with him on most things, but I agree with this. He's just trying to keep people safe. You would explode like a helium, a helium balloon with a needle. Big pop. You'd blow up. So don't tell me that. Even before he was, even during the debates, they were like, hey, there's no vaccine coming. And yeah, yeah, there was. He called him a liar there. But the big thing is that they were already saying they weren't going to get vaccinated prior to Biden winning. And then he won, then everybody gets it. So it's just interesting how that works now, isn't it? So we get into this multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill. I'm going to put things to scale on this real quick. This is also predicated, or not predicated, but an add-on would be They want all the billionaires to pay their share. Okay, now that right there just sounds really cool, but it's really not uh, for many reasons. I don't want to get into a tax on here. But to put things to perspective, $4.5 trillion, I don't think anybody really understands how much money that is. So let's just say, let's just say every single billionaire in this country, and if you Google this, late 2020, it was approximately 614 billionaires. Now, I'm not saying no one's done this yet. I'm not saying that you haven't heard this. I haven't. So as far as I know, it's kind of an original thought. So we'll just kind of keep going with it. 614 billionaires. There's got to be more now because we are getting in the latter part of 2021. So it's probably closer to 650 to 700, I imagine. A lot of people, the super rich got really rich off this pandemic. It's tough to argue that. And if you add up as of last year, the 614 billionaires in America, you come up to roughly $3.2 trillion. So if you want the billionaires to give more, let's say they gave it all. Let's say they gave the federal government all their money, all of it, all $3.2 trillion. Then they want to live on the streets. 
that still would not compensate for what the far left lunacy administration is trying to put off. You would still have a $1.3 trillion difference in billionaires giving every cent as opposed to what the federal government's trying to do. Just just let that sink in one second. The the ultra-rich came together. They couldn't even front this right here. There's already estimation 20 to 30% increase in, in payroll tax to subsidize this, universal health care, particularly free college education. The richest people in the world couldn't do this. What makes you think that everyone's going to come together and this is going to work? It's not. It's a horrible idea. But speaking of bad ideas, segue. It doesn't get any more stupider than San Francisco's DA. Hold that thought. But let's talk about the Mayor London Breed. If you didn't know, San Francisco is in danger. The San Francisco Chronicle, the New York Times, the Associated Depressed, even the LA Times is writing about not just the mass exodus from California that everyone's trying to act like is not happening, but from San Francisco, it is happening at an alarming rate. You are either homeless in San Francisco or you are elite. There is no in-between. There is no lower middle class. There is no middle class. There is no upper middle class. There is nothing. They are estimated to lose at the end of next year. They're going to lose 50% of their population. They're losing tens of thousands by the month. And it's just going to be the elite, like Uber, all the tech companies that are still up there that don't mind paying the outrageous taxes. And the normal people are going to leave, and rightfully so. Right now, you can, Walgreens has to keep closing, if you didn't know. As long as you don't take less than $950 from retail stores, you will not be prosecuted. You might not even get arrested. I heard a cop on the radio recently in the Sacramento area talking about how they have to pick and choose their battles now. And people stuffing trash bags full of stuff isn't one of the battles they want to do. All Walgreens is going to do is close the store, which means people lose their jobs and or keep the store open, raise prices, what affects the consumer. That affects the consumer. So clearly San Francisco has lost their goddamn mind even more so than the other crazy whacked out liberal cities in this country, particularly the ones in California. And I mean the far left. Houston's kind of a liberal city. I live there. Go try taking a trash bag, going to the Target, downtown Houston, where I used to live. Fill a night up and see if you get out the door. Let me help you out. You won't. If you don't like it, leave. Let's recap last week. I'm not done with San Francisco by a long shot. Tennessee, South Carolina. My God. Just not good. Um, Tennessee jumps out 28-0. We're getting some points here. South Carolina made it interesting at one point there in the fourth quarter. Had a chance to make this a 10-point game. Big defensive turnover was forced, and then Tennessee would score and really just really knocked me in the teeth with just another really bad bet, another underdog that we like that just gets run out the gym in the first couple quarters, and it's tough to come back from that when you're South Carolina. Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi does it again, throws for 600 yards and five touchdowns, but there was not enough to stop. The rushing game of UTSA, Western Kentucky overs continue to be a joke God, how do you stay? I mean, this, this week they play Old Dominion. We're going to have to wait. It's going to be an Instagram play, but we'll get to that. They couldn't do it. 0 for 2. And then Michigan State, Rutgers. Rutgers never really had a chance to cover that. They were never out of it. They're never really in it. Very mundane, boring game. Michigan State continues to win. This one on the road and a good win for them. Luckily, Nebraska covers the 3.5. At the time to break up what could have been a shutout the wrong way. They lose by three and a half or three, but the hook played there, and they probably could have won that game. A lot higher scoring than we initi- than we thought. I don't know what Scott Frost did at halftime, but whatever it did, the offense listened. They came out guns a blazing. 
Nebraska still headed in the right direction, just not quite there yet. And we added early, early Sunday morning the Saints. It just made too much sense to take the Saints. We're 3 0 with the Saints, or 2 0. Uh, but this just made way too much sense. Once again, the pro plays are going to be posted later. Some people hit me up. They saw it on Instagram. Some people didn't. We got it up hours before the game started. So we went two of five, or two and three, if you will, making dropping the record now to 18 and 10, which is still very formidable amongst handicappers out there, particularly the ones selling picks. We're probably still better than 99% of them. <clears throat> so where do we go from here? Den of Thieves, maybe? I guess we should get to the topic of this podcast. So Den of Thieves, I know there's some people on this now. Like, yes, we know. We know belts. Yes, you like the movie. And Russell, what's his name? Gerald Butler. And he cucks, yes, at the end. It's a great movie. I've talked about it before on the show. Uh, spoiler alert, we're not going to talk too much about it. 50 Cent's incredible in this movie. He doesn't say much, but he's swole. Uh, it is an incredible scene when his daughter is taken to prom for the first time. He has a little discussion with the um, dude in the garage. It's all over YouTube. I suggest you check that out. Uh, the antagonists in this are great, and so are the, the protagonists. It's a bunch of dirty cops, although they're not dirty per se. The cops also include Cheddar Bob from 8 Mile, <laughs> another dude that you'd recognize from The Wire. He had some place in there, and then, of course, Gerald Butler, but basically... You know, they're all terrible husbands. They're running around on their wives. They're at strip clubs doing drugs and drinking late, but they're not necessarily dirty cops. They still want to put the criminals away. And he's tracking a great antagonist who goes by Merriman, a former football player uh, who's former Marine, and they are robbing banks. And, and um, Gerald Butler and his crew, they know that they're robbing banks, just can't catch him. And this scene where they take a bunch of hostages in a bank and the FBI shows up, the local task force Butler's up shows up, you know, on organ uh, on violent crime uh, and armed robbery, and then the LAPD shows up. So all these people are here, and then the whole time Butler, who knows this dude Merriman, is smart. He's a smart dude. He's like something's not right. Something is not right in this den of thieves. Something's wrong. He knows it. And they're like, what? What? He goes, it's not his style. Why would you take a bunch of hostages and order a helicopter out? With it, it never works, right? It never, it's never, it never has worked, never will work. It doesn't even work in the movies. So <laughs> it's not going to work. And Butler knows this. And he's just like, what's, what's the deal? They think someone shot a hostage. They don't know. But in actuality, all these guys are doing is buying time. You're right. They don't want to rob this bank. They don't. Because finally, Butler has enough that kicks the door in and sees all the hostages are being held up by fake people at this point. And then they see that they have excavated, or not excavated, but knew that this bank sat atop a sewage tunnel they could take out to get to their vehicles to go rob the real place, which is the L.A. Reserve. In the meantime, they had drawn all this attention to this one bank, the FBI, task force, every cop in the world. They think a hostage has been shot. It's a major hostage you know, situation. This is going to draw a lot of attention what a better time to knock out the reserve than then. What happens at the end is irrelevant. It's a great movie. Uh, they do rob the reserve. Whether they get away with it or not is a whole other story. I was rooting for the bad guys in this. But then again, it's like bad guys versus bad guys. But the point is that in this den of thieves, what was going through Russell, uh, I keep saying Russell Crowe, Jared Butler's mind was like, what, what are they doing and why? How many times do we talk about the why on this show? 
So in this case, Butler's thinking, who? Merriman. I know who. When? Right now. Yeah. How? By force. They have guns. You know? We all know these things. None of these matter. Who, what, where. We know all that. Why? Why is he targeting this bank? And we later found out because of that tunnel to get out of there for them to buy. A, and unfortunately, it wasn't enough time. Spoiler alert. But, you know, had, had it been another, you know, five or ten minutes, maybe so. In any event, a great movie. We talked about it before, but not that one scene. And, and you should go check that movie out. You know, when I think of the Den of Thieves situation, when I think of the under the tunnel under the bank, this kind of reminds me of the Gruden situation right now, which is very, 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 it is a dangerous situation, not just for coaches, not just for the NFL. The ramifications of what just happened, if you didn't know John Gruden having to resign, being forced into resignation for emails he wrote a long time ago in one-on-one personal conversations with homeboy over there in Washington. That's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows what happened. No one's asking really why. Why was he targeted? Now, again, other people have their theories on this, and, and I try to understand the why, too. Why were, why were people being targeted by the IRS years ago under the Obama administration? And why are all these people being targeted by the IRS, ones that gave a ton of money to the Republican conservative super PAC? Hmm. Yet no one else really is. Obama is said to not have a scandal during his presidency. That's absolutely hilarious. The IRS was definitely targeting conservatives uh, across the country, and we found out the why. You know, I have another sales story for you before we tie this back in. I used to work with a company in which, a very big company, and we worked with another big company. Now, if you ran through this company to help get a sale, in other words, if you ran through company C, whom you heard of, they're very big, you would lose a lot of your commission. You'd still get the quota. So let's say your quota, let's be simple math, was 100000 a year, and they helped you get a $10,000 sale. Well, you would get credited the 10000 versus your 100000 quota. However, the problem was is you would not get the full commission. You would only get 22% of your commission. So they really discouraged you to use this company because, sure, you could get your quota, but you're not going to get paid the same. So what's the point? We're doing this for the money. Keep your plaque. I'd rather not make my number and make more money than make less and make my number, as most people would. Well, most people would like the plaque. Save the plaque. Just, just give the money. But I was always wondering why she would be so involved in this. Yes, he's at the top, but good Lord, you're missing out on 70-something percent of a full commission. Do you even need to use this third party, our air quotes partner? Do you need to use them? No. Why do you keep doing this? Why do you spend so much time with these people? What is the why? Why are you doing this? It was blowing everybody's mind. So at some of these get-togethers, you know, everyone's drinking in the hotel lobby. You know, it's all your coworkers and everything. And you get a little tired of them after a while. So me and my other buddy, we used to like to break away from this and find like another place to sit down where it's quiet. So we would usually pick another hotel within walking distance and go to their bar <laughs> or wherever and just sit down and make fun of everybody or whatnot. And going over there one day, I was like, oh, there she is. I'm looking at her. She doesn't see me, but I knew who she's talking to. She's talking to the vice president of sales for the region in which she kept doing all that third-party business with. And then it occurred to me, oh, I know why she keeps doing this. Because she's about to work for him. She put in her two weeks the next Monday. And of course, they did not want them. She started with them immediately. This whole time she was doing this was just to set herself up to get in with them. And now she's doing extremely well. Good for her. Smart move. But at the same time, though, the why there was just killing me. Why are you doing this? And the same should come to you with John Gruden. Why? 
Now, this den of thieves, this one, is the NFL. Not just so their wokeness, Roger Goodell, of course, but the why here should be a very big, it should be ringing in your head um, for so many reasons. Uh, one thing that I did find funny is that in, in, or in the reasoning in which they fired Gruden, which was because he said the word pussy. I don't believe he said the N-word. No, I didn't. But he did use some very racist nomenclature, not nomenclature, but some maybe some racist adjectives to describe an African-American. I probably wouldn't do that at all. Uh, and then some other things. And he think he said the word, I'll just say it. He said faggot. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to say that. Uh, I guess you can't. But it's not quite, it's not near the N-word. But at the same time, it's very offensive to... The homosexual community, I totally understand that. And it's not like he put it on Twitter. He was uh, doing it to directly, which is still wrong. But my point is, how many times have you had a conversation or a text thread with some of your friends that you would be embarrassed as all hell and your wife or your kids saw it, right? Everyone on here listening says, yeah. Or if you had a conversation with one of your friends on the phone, secretly being recorded, like what happened to Silverman or whatever the hell his name was, the ex-owner of the Clippers, Don Silver, I believe it was, right? Whatever. You know, I'm not saying it's right, but at the same time, it's not like this is a PSA. So right there is kind of where I have the, okay, that's kind of strange, but the why still really rings here. And the thing is, is what they got rid of him for, what he had to quit for, even though he wasn't an NFL employee when this was happening, he was emailing an NFL employee, is the NFL the next day, which was yesterday, announced who would be doing the Super Bowl. This is interesting. If someone else has made this point, I'm sorry, but I haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to act like it's mine. The NFL came out with who their halftime performances are going to be. They are going to be Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and Snoop Dogg. Eminem is one of the most homophobic rappers, is the most homophobic rapper in the history of the modern era of hip-hop. You can go back and listen to his skits, oh, Violet J, of him doing some fellatio skit against the insane clown posse on his first first CD, Ken Kniff from Connecticut. Ugh. Always coming back, even to the LP he did, all of that. Now I know he's woke now, so all's forgiven. We get that. But it's still kind of interesting that this dude said faggot about a thousand times in all of his CDs. Much like the word pussy was used a ton by Snoop Dogg. As a matter of fact, 314 times on, in all of his albums and appearances. So he certainly is not anyone short to be. He's dropping the P word now for almost 25, 30 years. But no one really cares. The same with Kendrick Lamar. Not as many times. I didn't get the count on that one. But at the same time, that's pretty insane. So this guy has to step down. And you're going to put these three people in front of kids, children, young adults, adults, when they are one of the most homophobic, sexist, whatnot people, and I guess it just doesn't count, but the why is still, okay, that's just kind of like a side dish. Well, who is John Gruden? Do we know anything about maybe something he did back in Tampa, something he did when he was working, you know, on Monday Night Football or whatever? But for him to have to step down right now, this is the definition of the opening of Pandora's box. Now, if you're Bill Belichick, you got to be sweating right now. If I'm the Jets, I'm hiring 10 interns to try to ferret out every email this man sent since he came on the scene in 2000 or 99 for 20-something years. Everything. Text. I'm hacking in everywhere. If it's encrypted, go ahead and get that uh, Yeah, un unencrypted. I don't care what you have to do. 
But I mean, if you're Sean Payton, don't think don't you think Sean Payton has sent? I guarantee you, Sean Payton has sent some sort of racist or homophobic email or something about Roger Goodell for crying out loud, being as where he was unprecedentedly punished with no proof during Bounty Gate. I could go on and on and on about the why. I don't know we're ever going to know the why. I mean, maybe he voted for Trump. Is it because someone came out and said, oh, well, he called Goodell a pussy? No. See, they had to find something about him. And then it goes, okay, let's crucify him. And now we'll find how to do it, which is not hard these days at all. We just found that out. Emails from basically almost nine years, 10, 10 weeks, and 10 months, two weeks ago surface and the man loses his job. Now I'm flirting now in the gray area of what everyone else is talking about. But my point is, who's next here? I mean, the den of thieves comes a knocking. You want to know what's going on? We don't know where the tunnel is yet. I can't find the tunnel that gets you my escape car to the Federal Reserve while everybody over here stays at the bank. Right now, the bank being Gruden. What's underneath this? Where is that tunnel? Where does it lead us? Boy, I'd love to know that. But nobody really knows yet. What do you think? And, if you're, and it's not just the NFL. You don't think Adam Silver in the NBA is taking a look at this? You don't think he is? You don't think... That at no point in time before Popovich was woke, he didn't say anything in some email? Is that why Popovich now is over the top woke? To protect himself, potentially shield himself from some wokeldry that could be dug up by some intern? Or some loser that has no job and sits in his mom's basement and goes through Twitter all the way back to like 1910? I don't know. I'd be a little worried if I was Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball. Mm, Pretty sure there's some emails floating around there with that group. Let's start with Bobby Valentine. We could start there. I could go on there. All the commissioners outside of this, even hockey, should be looking at this. Because if it can happen in the NFL, it can happen elsewhere. And the thing is, the NBA needs to be careful because they're woker than the NFL. Kevin Durant sent a direct message to failed comedian, air quote comedian, Michael Wokaport, a.k.a. Rappaport, basically saying some of the most homophobic things of all times, and then he posted it. This was six months ago. I mean, he, go Google what he said, what he wrote to Rappaport. And Rappaport leaked it, just like he leaked it to whomever, just like they, the NFL leaked this to the New York Times and Adam Schefter to get out there and post it. Okay, how does the New York Times deal with this? Well, that's because their office is in New York. Yeah, I guess that's why. <laughs> but the point is that, I mean, if, I'm sorry, Durant, after saying these ridiculous homophobic things, was just forced to basically give a half-assed apology, and he was fined $50,000. That was less than a year ago. And he's an employee of the NBA. This guy did it oh, 10 years ago, and he was not an employee. Is it because he's white? I don't know. I guess that adds a little bit to it. He's a privileged white coach who just goes gallivanting around saying whatever he wants. I, I don't know. But the point is, is that the Den of Thieves have come after Gruden, who's extremely likable, with their baby doll team, the Raiders, who they've been wanting to get out of Sacramento since the beginning of time, or Oakland, and get them someplace respectable, LOL, Vegas. For them just to deep six this thing as they were winning, man, it could happen to anyone. And then what about the players? Keep your eye on this one. They'll sweep this under the rug. It'll be business as usual. But kidding, make no mistake that Adam Silver and Rob Manfred are looking at this like this is not good. Every other coach out there and players are now worried about text messages. You know, J.R. Smith, you're trying to get the pipe when he said it to that white girl, which was hilarious, and we all laughed it off. Now you got to be careful who you talk to even when you're not in a public circle. How do you know someone won't just be looking to make their name, sell this to TMZ, or record you saying? It's just almost impossible now.
But this is going nowhere with me. I'm gonna, I'm, not that I'm some investigative journalist, but I'm gonna, we're going to stick around and we find the tunnel. Why was Gruden targeted? Because that will almost keep me up at night, particularly for this unprecedented and outrageous position that the NFL forced through mainstream media, forced Davis to take uh, the goofy-ass owner of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Certainly is head-scratching, very head-scratching. So we'll be, com- we'll be coming back to this one uh, before you know it, because I'll find that damn tunnel, I swear to God. Anyway, cue the music. Hmm. We've been tapering off, getting away from the winning ways. I don't have much for you this week, but I do have some things that may be changed when we get to the NFL, and those are going to be Instagram plays. I can't tell you how important it is to check our Instagram page at the Sports Antelope. While we're there, be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Reach out, touch, brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope, the winning ways, the politics, bro exotic, Tommy Bench. There's something here for just about everybody. And here is my play of the week for what it's worth. Who wants to play Iowa? A team that has more white defensive backs than Brigham Young. I don't understand it. This team somehow wills their way to wins with two and three-star recruits. Kirk Ferentz, the alleged racist. I got to hear with that. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. He basically, this team competes every year with inferior talent, minus the tight end position, Kittle and that other guy, whatever. But Iowa does a phenomenal job. But Iowa does what most people that like to bet favorites don't like. They tend to play to their level of competition. They are a great underdog, but they are not a good favorite. I have a good friend that's a huge Iowa fan. He lives in Baton Rouge. He doesn't know when to bet them. He knows when to bet against them. And he's big against his team this week. And he's not a self-loathing Iowa fan. See, they're all self-loathing Iowa fans. But in this case, he brings up some good points. And Purdue has always played this team tough. Also, L.A. Burns, you may remember him. This is also his play of the week. Not to give that away, but... He's a little too busy to come on the show this season. His business is blowing up. Sharp Insight. Be sure and check him out there. Sharp Insight. Need to get in touch with L.A. Burns. Holler at your boy. Been a while since I've thrown that in. But Iowa opens up here at a 12-point favorite. Everybody jumps on Iowa. 12 is a great number for a dog, especially in conference on the road. Goes down to 11 and a half. I like Purdue's quarterback. He's been splitting time with the other dude, Aiden O'Connell. Threw the ball 52 times versus Minnesota for 400 yards and a touchdown and a pick. But there was some big plays called back. The score was not indicative of how the offense can move the ball. Uh, we love their coach. But at the same time, though, I just don't think this warrants double digits. I think you're looking at a very, very close game and a potential scare for the Hawkeyes at home. So because of that, we'll be taking the points here, no doubt. And you know me. I don't bet an underdog. Less what? Less I think they can win. We're running off tackle. We're still 18-10, and 10, so I'm not stopping that. We'll be taking Iowa. Plus the 11 and a half coming up here Saturday. It's going to be very interesting to see really how these defenses play out. But I do think that Purdue will be able to move the ball on them because of that. We are taking the 11 and a half. Navy versus Memphis. This is tomorrow night, Thursday night. The American Conference Special. Navy has been getting it together slowly but surely. Big upset win versus UCF. They gave Southern millionaires all they wanted. You're finally starting to see them click offensively since that brain fart initially versus the Air Force weeks and weeks ago. Memphis on the other side has really struggled versus the rush. Aside from Nickel State, they gave up 50 to Arkansas State, 30 to Mississippi State, 
31 to UTSA, 34 to Temple, 35 to Tulsa. And their quarterback, Seth Hannigan, he likes to go. He chunks that thing. I don't really see them stopping the Navy. If the Navy can get four touchdowns here, this goes way over 55. I hate betting these primetime games, but I simply can't get away from this one for many reasons. They're starting to move the football. They're starting to have gash plays. They will still throw it. I understand you get into an over with the service academy. You worry about long drives. Yes, that's going to happen. Memphis will score on them. They will give up points. So because of that, Navy Memphis over 55 opened up at 53. So it is going up. You may want to look at getting on that sooner than later. And then the NFL, how can we get away from Las Vegas? Now they're getting three and a half at Denver. All that's just happened to this team. I hate to have the controversial play here, but how do you not take the Raiders in this situation? We'll absolutely be taking them. It's opened up at two and a half. Now it's at three and a half, but we're going to wait. Check the Instagram page before, or probably Saturday night or Sunday morning. I feel we'll get better than three and a half. People like to bet against this, lose their coach. I go the other way. This team's still more talented than Denver, and if they weren't, you wouldn't be seeing. You're seeing a way higher line. And then next, Green Bay at Chicago. Green Bay, four and a half point favorite at Chicago. They've been winning. Fields is figuring out. Division rivalry. The Bears have a winning record now. Uh, Green Bay's defense is suspect. This is a trap. I'm almost positive, but we're going to wait. Maybe getting a better line there. Check Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Quick recap. The Boilermakers under Coach Brom getting 11 and a half. <laughs> Over there playing the Hawkeyes. The over in the Memphis Navy game at 55. I think that game might get creepy. And we will most definitely be playing Las Vegas. But we're just waiting to get the better line. And the same with the Chicago Bears. Two plays on the board for sure. Maybe four. Bed, bath, beyond. I don't know if there's time. It's going to be a great week in college football, too. Alabama sucks. The DA of San Francisco, Chessa Bowden. You ever heard of him? Boudin? Boudin? He's a cuckold. He's a white bitch. So he's the one that recently, not only were they not arresting people Looting stores by the hour, by the minute. Not only were they not doing that, he just made an order all criminals that even were arrested doing that to be released. Go read it. <laughs> and the San Francisco Chronicle praises them for it, praises him for it. London Breed might be the worst mayor in the country. San Francisco's falling apart by the seams. The district attorney does not want to do his job. This is another far left city. That is pro-criminal. Good luck carrying a firearm in that city, even though everybody else has one that shouldn't. Syringes, dog shit, homeless, human shit everywhere. The infrastructure of one of the more beautiful cities ever now crumbling to the ground as I say this. And under DA watches like this, it makes it possible. So Bowden, guess what? Bowden, I don't give a shit what it is. Chessa, you are white bitch of the week. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic jumping on the sports antidote number 70. Uh, how's it going there? What's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, second in command of Cow Church of Woke. Uh, Woke Cardinal. What's going on, dude? Nice. Very nice. Nothing much, man. I'm sitting over here. We're getting our record on. I, I didn't hear much about what you wanted to speak of. I heard 
It has something to do with John Gruden and Southwest. So I just stopped you right there. So anyway, why don't you kind of fill us in on the mystery of these two uh, entities coming together here? Yeah, so you do our uh, news correspondents that uh, give us all our important woke news. Uh, we, they uh, gave us something really interesting here, dude. Uh, it looks like after John Gruden resigned uh, from the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for his misogynistic, uh, uh, homophobic, and racist uh, comments. It turns out that Southwest was in need of a new head coach, so they signed him. Uh, Southwest needed new branding, and they needed a new image. Uh, they needed new leadership. Uh, seemed like they were having a lot of fights on board. Uh, much like a head coach would separate his players from fighting during practice, they, they hired John Gruden to get in there and separate his passengers from fighting each other. Uh, also, a lot of... Uh, a lot of people not not taking this mask mandate too well, so they're going to need uh, him to get on there and berate them and call them pathetic pussies uh, until they keep those masks on the whole flight uh, and not even have anything to eat or drink. So he was uh, he's really big in that, dude. So they really signed him for a really big job as head coach of Southwest. Um, you know, uh, and even President Biden had something to say about it after uh, John Gruden criticized the president for being. Uh, a quote nervous clueless pussy according to the new york times that's true yeah i mean but uh president biden didn't like that too much and he uh his official statement was if you fly southwest you ain't black oh he went there (laughs) that's the second time he's kind of had regards like that this doesn't sound like you're too angry right now bro exotic it's almost like you're laughing i'm curious yeah dude sometimes we uh Sometimes we just like to sit back and watch the movie unfold in front of us. I mean, we, even we have a sense of humor in the Church of Woke. I mean, even though we know that this guy is wrong, Gruden, uh, sometimes it's, you know, we, we can have a sense of humor about things. And just uh, we'll see if Southwest uh, fails just like the Raiders, you know? Yeah, I mean, jeez. Uh, um, how do you, like, if you had to rate this higher, one through 10, though, you sound like you're almost leaning towards 9, 10 right here. You think this is a really good one? Because I don't think this is going to work out long term. Uh, with Southwest and John Gruden, Southwest being the wokest airline ever and John Gruden being a huge idiot, but I don't know. Yeah, dude. I mean, Southwest is, Southwest is pretty woke. Uh, there may be, I don't know if John Gruden can work with Jen Psaki. She might be a good defensive coordinator at some point in the, in the season. Very good uh, defender. She seems to do really well defending Joe Biden, uh, you know. So, I, I don't know. She could be a good free agent coming up soon. Uh, I, I don't think her contract was that extensive. So uh, if if uh, Coach Gruden of Southwest wants to do well moving forward, he might want to look into picking up uh, Jen Saki as his defensive coordinator. I'll be sure and keep that. <laughs> I'll write that one down because I'm sure that's going to come up again. <laughs> well, bro, exotic, man, you just continue to be just a, a gem, a diamond in the rough. I didn't want to run you off today, but you said you had a quick one. But is that it? You got anything else you want to add here? Uh, no, dude, we're just going to keep watching this really closely, dude. Uh, and, you know, especially, you know, as you know, Jen Psaki is a uh, – she is the defense and special teams in my Wilkinson League. So um, I have a special vested interest in seeing uh, she will get picked up by the powerhouse that is Southwest and to see if I can have some uh, some uh, additional success with her as she uh, leads my Wilkinson to another victory. <laughs> wow, that sounds incredible. Yes, I hope you do win that victory. I hope you win the whole thing. You can remember the little guys, you know? Yeah, dude. Uh, we're, we're all about the little guy. Uh, big government, little guy, you know? That's right. Here we go. Big government, little guy. Yeah. Right, drug- <laughs> Almost like drug- Tommy Boy. <laughs> yeah. Big <laughs> government in a little coat. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what this is. All right, bro, Exotic. You seem to be very chipper today. 
next week, I need you to get more sullen and back into character. 10-4? 10-4, <laughs> You're supposed to be miserable out there. All right, bro, Exotic, give us, give us your uh, handle one more time. And we'll oh, yeah, y- y'all can follow me on Instagram, uh, bro, Exotic, B-R-E-A-U-X, Exotic. And uh, no jokes, stay woke, bro. Stay woke. All right, cheers, dude. Tommy Bench jumping on the sports antelope number 70. How's it going there, Chief? It's going good, pal. Welcome to the party. That's right. Good. Glad to be here. Uh, bro, Exotic had a good rip. Where do you hear this? Did you know that – did you hear? Maybe you didn't. Um, actually, you know what? I'll just wait. I'll just wait for you to hear it. It'll be better. But um, I know you have a few things on the docket you want to hit uh, while you're here. So uh, what do you want to lead off with? Let's, let's lead off with the low-hanging fruit. John Gruden, okay? And I know you spent uh, a bit of time on this. I'll just make one point. It is very obvious, and it's possible we overlap from this point, but it is very obvious. 650,000 emails. Let's just do a little probability and odds here. If you grabbed 650,000 random emails off the internet, like the NSA does, which I don't really have a problem with, but they do it. Grab random emails and they look for things. If you grab 650,000 random emails and you search for the F word, derogatory term for homosexuals, um, you search for racist terms, you search for uh, things with racial undertones, I guarantee you would just, out of sheer probability, get tens of thousands of hits for those search terms. I find it amazing that they were able to zero in on John Gruden's use of some of these terms. And, and to be clear, I believe he used the, the F word, uh, derogatory slur for a gay person. I don't believe he used the N word directly, but he, but he made some jokes that had racial undertones and employed racist tropes towards African-Americans. So he, he definitely violated, you know, the covenants of, of wokeness and, and really probably the kind of things you'd never say in public. But you think, well, I can get away with sharing these uh, privately to a few people. Let this be a lesson to you. Emails are not private. Just understand this. Emails are not private. Anything you type onto a keyboard is not private. But but let's get back to this, this wasn't about determining a crime or saying a crime was committed. In other words, the, the F word. F-A-G-G-O-T was used. Let's find out who used it. This is very obviously by the nature of how this came out and how this investigation, quote unquote, was conducted. This was about identifying an individual and then go find, going and finding something that individual did, much mm-hmm. like the way the media went after Trump for four years. It, it was Trump is the target. Now let's go find something wrong that he did, as opposed to hey, we have suspicion there was wrongdoing over here. Well, who did the wrong? What was the wrongdoing that occurred and who, who was the purveyor of it? Right. Um, th- this was not, we have a rampant problem of coaches using these terminologies. And by the way, I'd be willing to bet 95% of the people currently in the NFL have used those terms at some point in their life. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I never used that term. I grew up in the 90s, okay? In high school in the 90s, I... I I can't probably think of a day that didn't go by that that term wasn't used. There's that funny scene in the 22 Jump Street where Channing Tatum and the fat kid have to play, I think, high school kids. And, and he uses that term and thinks it's, you know, cool and people are going to laugh and, and people don't and get all upset at he him. He gets canceled. He gets canceled. And it shows the generational divide between just simply if you went to high school in the 90s versus if you went to high school in the late, say, 2010 or, or you know, between 2005 and 2010. You know, you're not talking a 50 year generational swing there. So all that to say, it's very obvious. This was about identifying John Gruden and saying, what can we do to go after him? Because I'd love to know if you just simply went to that 650,000 email dump and you typed in F-A-G-G-O-T, 
how many other people would, would are on an email thread where that term was used? I uh, guarantee it's not just John Gruden. It's just no. impossible. No way. So I think right now there's a Jets intern that's just going through Belichick files, like all the encryptions. <laughs> He's just trying to keep I'm sure. find anything. I'm sure. But if his emails are anything like his press conferences, he probably doesn't have too much to worry about. That's so. probably a good point. Yep. I'm with uh, you all right, switching, switching gears, but actually still staying on sports. Now, as I think we've discussed here on the, the Sports Antidote, I am by no means a, a basketball aficionado. Um, you know, uh, I, what, a, the three-point line, that's good for six points or something like that? Yeah, you got I'm, it. I'm obviously joking. Um, technical foul advances the ball five yards or something like that. But I, I saw a headline from Chris Saliza, who is just your atypical CNN uh, northeast white liberal who is just the worst but okay here's the title of the article why Kyrie Irving is getting exactly what he deserves now a little bit of background Kyrie Irving is one of the more outspoken NBA players small percentage of NBA players I believe it's down to about five percent who said I'm not getting the vaccine not doing it personal reasons you know not he's I, I wouldn't say he's making a crusade out of it but he's just saying I'm not doing it and I'll accept the consequences. Now, apparently the consequences are so far as, and I believe he's on the Brooklyn Nets. Did I get that detail correct? Yeah. Okay. So he's on the Brooklyn Nets. Well, the city of New York has all these restrictions and mandates about, you know, being in public places and having to be vaccinated. And, and I believe what it's, what's essentially occurring is he can't play home games. Or if he, if he does, there, there are severe restrictions about his participation. And I actually believe it's that he can't participate is the latest. Yeah. And you might say, all right, well, why did I pick this kind of out of the ether? Is this a COVID thing? No, this is less about a COVID thing. And it's more going to be a commentary on, I think you're going to start seeing, and, and you saw Trump attempt to exploit it in the 2020 election with, with some success from the standpoint of he did increase his share of the black vote. But, but I, I wonder if there's going to be continued strain between black America and especially within the Democrat Party, Black America and the upper middle class, not just middle class, but really upper class and upper middle class white liberals. I mean, those the, the just obnoxious, I'm not coming, I'm not going to be around you if you're not vaccinated. I, you know, <laughs> we all know the kind of people, we got them in our families, we deal with them at, at work and in other places. And you just, you, you got to wonder, how compatible is that going to be culturally with African-American culture in the United States? And, and I think back to some of the guys we went to high school with, and, and I'd love to reach out to some of them and ask, you know, do you really want to associate with that, with that obnoxious, annoying person who's going to micromanage your life and tell you everything you're doing wrong? Right. Cause isn't that, that's always one of the criticisms of conservatives is that conservatives approach to yes, minority very, communities is very preachy. Right. Yeah. Is, is, oh, you conservatives, you just get up there and tell these minority people to pull themselves up from their bootstraps and stop making bad decisions and, and do, well, how's it any different if you're just constantly over here lecturing about get the vaccine, wear the mask, do this, do that. And, and, and then especially when you try to, you know, upper, upper class white liberals try to make the case that if you don't follow whatever their orthodoxy is, it doesn't even matter what it's about, but if you don't follow their orthodoxy, you're a racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe, yada, yada, yada. Well, well, what happens to the percentage of, say, the black community that doesn't want to get on board with um, various, the, the latest liberal cause du jour? Are they racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe? I, I, I just, I, I think there's, 
I, I don't want to say there's an opening there because that does make it sound too political. But look, I view things through a political lens, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be out of character for me to make that statement. But is there going to be a, a fracturing there or just a more difficult time of holding that coalition together? You know, the, the coalition that Barack Obama assembled, the coalition of the disp- of the perceived and in some cases dispossessed. Right. You've you got the gay groups, the green groups, minorities. Uh, we package them all together. And, 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 you know, people, lest we forget, Barack Obama actually did decent at retaining white blue collar voters. I mean, he started he started losing them. And they voted for Mitt Romney in bigger number than they voted for John McCain. And then, of course, the flip really happened with Trump, where they really, you know, another five or 10 percentage points flipped over to Trump. And, and that's what carried the day for Trump in 2016. But Obama was able to keep that coalition, quote, of the dispossessed together. I wonder how effective, especially somebody as feckless and weak as Joe Biden or as embarrassing as Kamala Harris. They have to hire kid <laughs> actors to be in the same proximity as her and I mean, you have to hire child actors to seem interested in what the vice president is saying. It's very creepy when I found that out. Uh, really creepy. Yeah. Really creepy. So again, I just, I saw that article headline and I wonder if Chris Silliza is going to get any backlash. Like how dare you target a prominent member of the, you know, American, African-American community, you know, a big sports star. He's well-known. People know who he is. He's, he's made his, stance on on the vaccine known again i don't think he's trying to die a martyr about it but he's made it known and and he's not backing down so we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that all right we're going to switch gears now very very radically and talk about oil hitting 80 dollars a barrel oil is now at its highest price since 2014 now this this has a little bit of a personal touch to it uh when i moved to texas in 2013 getting out of the marine corps laser focused on getting a job in the oil and gas industry I was very fortunate a small company took a chance on me. It was an exploration production company. So those are the companies, no kidding, hiring rigs to go out, drill holes in the ground, frack and pump the oil out. So it's the very front end of the oil and gas industry. Um, it was a great experience, really enjoyed it. Things, things were going okay. But then in the, in the fall of 2014, prices, you know, in, or excuse me, in the summer of 2014, prices were over $100 a barrel, which if you work in an oil and gas company, that was good. We were making, you know, every barrel of oil that came out was making the company more money. Prices started softening, and then softening, and then softening. And then around Thanksgiving, OPEC met in Vienna and said, we're going to really, we're going to try to kill the fracking revolution going on in America. And they just opened up the spigots and crashed the price. At that time, I was looking to switch companies anyway, interviewed with several, a couple of the super majors and large oil and gas companies. And, you know, it's one thing when HR tells you once, hey, we're on a hiring freeze. When you get told that three or four times, and you start reading articles in the Wall Street Journal about those same companies laying off 2,000 people. Okay, maybe, maybe this is industry-wide, and it's not just me. Fortunately, I, I found an opportunity in a different industry, and I've, I've been doing that since then. But still, it, it was interesting to be a part of that industry. I still stay in touch with some people who are in that industry. I've learned a lot, um, a lot of insights. And so $80 a barrel, you're starting to get outside of that range that's, I'd say, good for America. What do I mean by the range that's good for America? Oil between $40 and $60 a barrel is good for America for these reasons. It's high enough that most oil and gas producers can probably eke out a little bit of a profit and continue to invest. And investors will continue to invest and drill new wells and frack more and try to get oil out of the ground to keep the supply going. But in that $40 to $60 barrel range, it's also good for consumers because then gas prices are not out of control. They'll, they'll sway in the $2 range, sometimes getting close to 3 sometimes coming down to around 2 But in that $2 a gallon range, most people can tolerate that kind of price sensitivity. 
you start getting an eighty dollar barrel oil, and you start seeing what we're seeing now: gas prices, depending on where you live in the country, you know, over three, you know, really close to three dollars, even in the affordable places, over three dollars in many places. And I'm sure out in crazy California, they're hitting four dollars. They, they, I'm sure they're at four dollars a barrel, or excuse me, four dollars a gallon for gasoline. Easily, yeah. Easily. So, why are we talking about this? Day one, the Biden administration was so proud of the fact they canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. Another 24 hours later, 10,000 guys got pink slips. Something that's happened in the background, and this is one of these things that if you really pay attention to news, you might be aware of, and maybe you've heard it on some conservative talk radio, but it's definitely not front and center. Look, I get it. People lead busy lives. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline was approved. What is this? It's a pipeline that is going to allow Russia to, to export, and then the European Union, specifically Germany, and then a cascading effect, it'll flow through to other places in the European Union, billions of cubic feet of natural gas from Russia. Now you might think, oh, well, you know, why does that really have an effect on us? Well, one of the things that's been happening in the United States over the last five to six years is the liquefaction of natural gas and sending it on ships over to Europe. We've got more natural gas than we know what to do with. We, We have hundreds of years of natural gas supply. And now instead of relying on us and working with us and building closer ties and partnerships, they're, the European Union is, is not only going to build a closer partnership with Russia, they'll be somewhat beholden to them. And this was a tactic the Soviet Union used when, when they were exporting oil and gas to Europe. Anytime they wanted to turn the screws, they just jacked the price up a little bit. And, and I, I just, the idea that we're canceling pipelines, and, and we, we, for a long time during the Trump administration, attempted to, did, did the best we could to stand in opposition to Germany approving the pipeline. We really used as much, all the leverage we had to try to get them to not do it. And then now it's happening. It's going to happen. So while we're canceling pipelines, the Russians are building pipelines into Europe, further strengthening their, their geopolitical influence. I won't say they're grasped. They don't have a stranglehold on Europe, but it's definitely they're reaching that hand further into Europe. And, and you've got to start to ask yourself, we're now in a position where because the, the approach the Biden administration is taking towards the, the oil and gas industry, first of all, there's fewer people looking to invest there because they're worried if they make a big investment and then the Biden administration comes along and says, oh, stop doing that. They're going to lose a bunch of money. Um, so people are less likely to invest. Banks are less likely to loan. Even though oil is going up, you might think producers would be all thrilled to start drilling wells at the cyclic rate. They're a little hesitant because they don't know what kind of regulatory environment is going to come down you know, next week when, when the Biden administration decides they need to do something to placate the Greens because they're not going to get the Green New Deal passed with the $3.5 trillion spending monstrosity. And then, you, and then when, you, when you pull back, you know, when in doubt, zoom out on a global scale, we're now back to having to care what OPEC thinks. What a terrible position to be in. Uh, <laughs> why, why would we want to get back to that position? Look, even if you're all about like, we have to get solar power and wind energy and get off fossil fuels. So what, you'd rather use fossil fuels from Saudi Arabia? I, I, I just, I don't know what you're thinking. And then, and then forget about the day-to-day economic impact. You know, the, the people who get hurt the most are the you know, middle class and working poor. But most of us, and if you're listening to this podcast, I bet you're probably in a position where if, if the price of, if a gallon of gas swings 25 cents, look, it's not fun, but you can survive it. Th- there are people, you know, working families where the, the price of a gallon of gas swings 25 cents. That's a major bite out of any leftover disposable income or their ability to save or, or you know, send their kids to a better school or, or decisions like that. And so it's it's really puzzling that the Biden administration is allowing this to happen, especially in the environment they're in where their approval ratings. I mean, 
you want to talk about a wipeout, let gas be $4 a gallon going into the midterms in 2022. Um, and I think you'll see a, a congressional wipeout of historic proportion. Yeah, well, if that happens, yeah, I, you're definitely correct on that. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know how you see that far ahead at this point, but I get it. Yep. So those, those were kind of the things I just wanted to hit. Thought we'd we round it out with a couple of things from all over the map. Um, next week, uh, I'm sure something interesting will happen between now and next week. Maybe a, a let's go Brandon cheer will break out of the White House press conference. Oh, good old let's go Brandon cheer. That's really still taking everything by, by storm right now. This, this kid, he's 10 times more famous now. <laughs> well, what's a shame is imagine if you're a Democrat running for office and your name actually is Brandon. <laughs> somewhere out there some guy named brandon is running for county commissioner in some you know los angeles district of some and the guy's name is brandon yeah and you know and look if my name if my name were brandon i'd probably file paperwork to run for some office down here in texas just just and that would i mean that's all I, that i would just make signs that say let vote brandon let's go brandon i'd probably vote for you i'd, I'd bet you, i'd bet you'd win yeah so that's a good idea well <laughs> Anything else? Anything you just want to run there? I didn't want to cut you off there. So. Oh, that's all. That's all we got for tonight. Thanks everybody for listening, and make sure to tell somebody about the program. Tell somebody about the program. Reach out and touch your brother. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 70. I'm your host, Danny Bell, Den of Thieves, and it is a Den of Thieves out there. Oh, not just in that movie. Gotta find that tunnel. Thanks to Bro Exotic, Southwest, and John Gruden. That's absolutely hilarious. Tommy Bench, thanks for coming on here. Hopefully, Coach O can come on next week. We look forward to having everybody come back on the Sports Antidote. Be sure and take these plays. Purdue's gonna win outright. Keep it real, Antidotions!